Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, former presidential speechwriter, Dr. Craig Smith, as we continue our 22nd anniversary year. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach, a leader in international trade and environmental stewardship. And the Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. And Scan Health Plan, for your health and independence. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. This is the first show of the 2014 season. We're delighted to have as our guest for the entire show, former presidential speechwriter, Dr. Craig Smith. Craig, welcome back to Straight Talk. It's good to be here again, Art. Before we start, I'd like to welcome SCAN Health Plan as the newest title sponsor of Straight Talk. SCAN is a major Medicare Advantage plan located right here in Long Beach. Uh, Craig, uh, we've had you as a regular guest on the show, but this time uh, it's in connection with your new book that's getting quite a buzz around town, Confessions of a Professional Speechwriter. And you review your distinguished career, and we'll be talking about it in tonight's show. Uh, let me uh, ask you first about your internship at CBS and coverage of the 68 elections. That kind of got you started in this track. Well, I was very lucky because I was at Penn State University at the time working on my PhD, and my committee told me that for my dissertation on the conventions, I had to go to the conventions. And so I was trying to find a way into the conventions, and CBS had a graduate internship open, and I applied for it, and I got it. And so that's how I started working. And the first convention was uh, in Miami Beach, it was yes. the Republican convention that nominated uh, Richard Nixon. Uh, it was a fairly non-controversial convention. Uh, and we went from there to Chicago uh, for the 1968 And all Democratic. hell broke loose And all hell broke loose. Mayor Daley made mistake after mistake in terms of trying to contain demonstrators, flushing them out of the parks at night so they had nowhere to sleep. They got out onto the streets. This was the anti-war movement. Yeah, this was the height of the anti-war movement in 1968. Eugene McCarthy was one of the nominees. Uh, George McGovern was a potential nominee. Uh, but it went to the Vice President of the United States, Hubert Humphrey. Uh, but the convention was terribly marred when the police, under Mayor Daley's direction, would force the crowds off the street and, and they would be pushed through store windows on Michigan Avenue. I, re I remember seeing it was, that. It was, it, was, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. And at the time, Walter Cronkite was the lead anchor for CBS, and, and CBS then was the blue chip of the networks. Yeah, it was called the Tiffany Network, and, and you know, I was very lucky because I was only there two weeks when um, a reporter got sick, it's like a Hollywood movie, and they needed somebody to cover Ronald Reagan uh, the governor of California, who was giving a statement in front of the platform committee. So they said, does anybody here know Ronald Reagan? And I said, well, I'm from California. So I went over and I covered the story. And that night on the evening news, Walter Cronkite used the piece. And then he came out of the anchor booth, uh, came down where we were working in the convention hall, and he said, who wrote the piece on Reagan? And I raised my hand, and I thought I was going to be chastised. <laughs> and, and, and he said, but you're not one of our regular writers. You're not in the union. And uh, the, the floor boss said, well, we're in Florida, and there's no union rule. So we used him. And Cronkite said, well, I'm still uncomfortable with it. So promote him to writer. 
And so suddenly, from graduate intern, with I never took a course in journalism. Uh, I, w I was a writer for CBS News. I was moved out of my flea bag internship, many roommate <laughs> hotel, uh, into the Sheraton Four Ambassadors with a suite of my own, with a Not, kitchen. In you it. were a writer now. I was a writer now for CBS. So it was and, for, and for Walter Cronkite. And for Walter Cronkite, who was the tr most trusted man person in America. Yes, and he was a wonderful person. The other thing he said, I, I kept saying sir, and he said, please just call me Walter. He was a wonderful man, yeah. wonderful to work for. And so uh, you caught a break and uh, your talent uh, came to the attention of, uh, of Walter Cronkite and uh, tell us uh, what happened then. Well, I, I, I think it's, it, it, it's, it, it, it's why you want to get a communications degree because that makes you adaptable to different situations. But CBS then brought me back in 72 to cover the conventions. I did election night with them. I did inaugurals with them. And so I had a nice experience consulting uh, with CBS before I became so politically involved that they couldn't use me anymore. And you made an interesting point earlier before we went on air that the, uh, the major networks, at that time there were three, CBS, NBC, and ABC, but those independent networks then are now all owned by commercial parents. Yeah, uh, Disney bought ABC, General Electric bought NBC, Viacom bought CBS, and everything began to change. Uh, up to that point, the network news lost money, and they didn't care. They wanted reputable news, and so it could lose money. And I remember William Paley, the yeah. then head of CBS, saying, uh, we make a fortune on our, our shows, All in the Family and Lucy and all, and this is our way of giving back to the American people a, a first-rate news operation, and they had bureaus throughout Europe yes. Yes. covering yeah. world affairs. Yeah, it, it, it was wonderful. And then corporations took over and said the news has to be profitable. And uh, 60 Minutes had turned into a profitable show. I mean, for people don't know this, but for a long time, 60 Minutes was not profitable. It wasn't very highly rated. But it kept moving up every year. And then it made it into the top 10, and it began to make money, and that set the standard. And then made a lot of money. It made a lot of money. Yeah. It still does. Yeah. But, uh, so, but news then had to carry its own freight. Yes. Yeah, after that. Mm -hmm. And there have been major cutbacks in, in news operations. Oh, bureaus have been shut <coughs> down, um, more reliance on uh, outsourced kinds of things. You'll see them quoting from the Associated Press more than their own uh, wire services. Okay, in the next segment we'll see how Craig moved from writer to presidential speech writer. Stay with us. At the Port of Long Beach, we're not only delivering jobs, smart ideas, and forward-thinking environmental initiatives. We're also delivering opportunity for all of Southern California. Oh, and a clearer horizon line. To learn more, go to polb.com. The Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks. Hello, I'm Jessica Hardy, a proud Long Beach native and a member of the USA Swimming national team. Having spent much of my life in water, I've developed a deep appreciation for the valuable role that this precious resource plays in our lives. In recent years, California's water supply has become unreliable. To address this reality, Long Beach residents have dramatically reduced their water use through permanent lifestyle changes. In doing so, Long Beach has made itself a leader in water conservation. 
as I work hard to achieve my personal goal of qualifying for the 2012 Summer Olympics. I encourage you to continue your tremendous efforts to use water in smart and responsible ways. So join me and your fellow Long Beach residents in strengthening the water conservation movement. By making small but significant changes in our water use habits, together we can ensure that we have a reliable water supply for many generations to come. At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. We're back continuing this great discussion with Craig Smith, former presidential speechwriter. So, Craig, you you were at the conventions. You worked for Walter Cronkite, and how did you uh, how did you become a presidential speechwriter? Well, I had no intention of becoming one. I, I finished my Ph.D. I taught at San Diego State for four years, and then moved to the University of Virginia. They kind of bought me away. And uh, one day, I was uh, lecturing at the University of North Carolina as a guest lecturer in the morning, and President Ford came to speak at a luncheon. And I went to the speech, and I thought it was dreadful. And so I went back to Charlottesville, to the University of Virginia. I couldn't sleep that night. So I wrote a critique of the speech, a very constructive, polite critique. And I sent it to the President of the United States, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, DC. And you, and you signed it as a, uh, a faculty member? Yeah, as a professor of communication studies at the University of Virginia. And here are some comments I had about the yeah. speech that I was heard you give just recently. Yeah. And there had been a trouble in the speechwriting department at the White House, and, which I didn't know about, and I got a call. And I said, would you be interested in coming up for an interview? And so that's America, folks. I mean, that you can write a letter to the president and get an interview. That, and that's I not only, good. Yeah, I not only got the interview, but uh, I got, got the job. job. And so I left the University of Virginia and became a speechwriter for the president of the United States. That, that is an only in America story. Yeah. And, and tell us about your experience writing speeches for the president. First of all, what kind of person was President Ford? He was a very kind man, um, much brighter than the press gave him credit for. After all, well, Chevy Chase did yeah, a number on him uh, as a bumbler. Chevy Chase made a name for himself uh, on Saturday Night Live, which hurt the president's reputation. But here's a guy who went to Yale Law School and yeah. finished in the top third of the class while coaching the football team. So he can't be... Uh, right. Yeah. He was just tall. He was a former football player, and he bumped, him, bumped his head and yeah. stuff like that. But um, the first speech I was assigned was to the Southern Baptist Convention meeting in Norfolk, Virginia. So you had a Catholic writing for an Episcopalian president <laughs> to speak in front of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I worked very hard on the speech, and it was interrupted by applause, which was very unusual for Ford. Uh, and then the Washington Post gave it a great review and said he hit it out of the park. And so suddenly I had credibility in the White House. And that's now, what... There, there were several speechwriters, There were right? five. There five, five full-time speechwriters. Full-time speechwriters writing speeches because the president's yeah. going to all kinds of And everything functions. the president does is scripted. The president may decide not to use the script, but toasts... But, but he, he has awards, that with the... Yeah, 
Yeah, every, 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 everything is And good. do the speechwriters critique each other's work? Or yes. Is there a head speechwriter that filters that, or how does that work? We did that. There was also a head speechwriter, uh, and he was a counselor to the president, Robert Hartman, uh, a, a wonderful man who um, edited behind us, and, or would give it back to us and say, rewrite it because you left this out or put this in. And um, do you remember a couple of, of memorable speeches or memorable phrases that, that stick in your mind that, that you penned? Well, in, in, uh, I wrote the, during the bicentennial, which was 1976, I wrote the speech that the president gave at Valley Forge. And uh, it talks about the soldiers of Washington coming there in their uh, rag-bound feet and so on and so forth. It was a very dramatic speech. It got very good reviews. Um, that was important. Uh, the, the team of us worked on his acceptance speech at the 1976 Republican convention. We did not know that we had the nomination until the first day of the convention when we finally counted enough delegates on our side, so it was very dramatic. It was between him and Reagan, I guess. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, and the president uh, gave a speech uh, that we had rehearsed in front of live cameras five times. So he was smoother than usual, he gave kind of the speech of a lifetime that he needed to. He began that speech by challenging his opponent, Jimmy Carter, to debates. We had, in June, we were 33 points behind Carter. After the bicentennial speeches, we were 15 points behind Carter. After the acceptance speech, we were five points behind wow. Carter. Uh, and after the first debate, the race was dead even. Uh, and then the president made a mistake in the second debate. And it reminded everybody oh, of was about uh, his, the the Iron Curtain. The Iron Curtain yeah. that the, the Polish people are not dominated yeah. by, by yeah. the Soviet Union. And so we lost a close election. It just struck me that, uh, that your craft is invisible to the public because it's the president who's speaking. He doesn't say at the end, I want to thank Craig Smith for drafting this speech. Uh, so you're behind the scenes. We're behind the scenes, uh, most definitely. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the way it works. Uh, you try to maximize the strengths of your client and, and minimize the weaknesses. I once wrote a speech for uh, Mayor Clark of Long Beach, and he began the speech by saying, uh, I didn't write this speech, Craig Smith did. <laughs> and so if you don't like any of it, blame him, oh, that's, that's, which was, had to be adorable. one of the most honest moments any politician's that's ever adorable. had. That's uh, adorable. What does it feel like to hear and see the president uttering words that you wrote? Well, I felt like the luckiest person in the world. I had written for Walter Cronkite, and his words went to 20 million people. Now I was writing for the President of the United States, and his words were going to everybody in the country. And so it was, it was a remarkable feeling. It was euphoric to, to write a speech and then see the President deliver it. What was the attitude vis-a-vis -vis the five speechwriters? Is it competitive, or is it helpful? Do you, you uh, affirmatively critique each other's work, or uh, everyone's trying to be the, the number one of the five. How does that work? I think it was, there was healthy competition, but one of the things I introduced once I got some clout after that Norfolk speech was to put two writers on every speech. And one of the things we tried to do was to make the speech have a consistent Ford style, which was not there before I came. You could tell that somebody different had written this speech compared to speech B. Uh, now they were all kind of consistent, the language was consistent. He wanted to speak the language of the common man. He didn't want to be made into kind of phonally eloquent. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we, with two people on a speech, we could catch one another when we 
made a mistake. So another set of eyes is always good. Oh yeah, and rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. Franklin Roosevelt's uh, major speeches went through 10, 12 drafts. You can see oh them my. at Hyde Park where he marked them up. The, the one phrase, and I, I, I know this is probably before you came aboard with President Ford, the one phrase that I remember is, uh, I think, ladies and gentlemen, our long national nightmare is over after. Yeah. Bob Nixon. Hartman wrote that for him. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. powerful. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Well, in the next segment, we want to dialogue with, with Craig about the strengths and weaknesses of the, the many different famous people he's worked for and, and how you adjust the speech to fit their personality. Stay with us. How do you like your chances the rest of the way? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah, but if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember. Polly's, 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto. 2141 Belfar, Long Beach. We're continuing this great conversation with Craig Smith, a former presidential speechwriter and author of his recently published book, Confessions of a Presidential Speechwriter. Craig, you've said that the art of writing, at least for you, is rewriting. Yes. Would you explain? Well, I think the first time you rewrite a draft, you take out the big mistakes. And that reveals a whole bunch of little mistakes. And you take those out, and you see even smaller mistakes. Uh, in the modern era, it's hard to get more than four or five drafts done for a president because of the, the news cycle so fast. Uh, they had a luxury, as I mentioned, with Franklin Roosevelt, where they could do more drafts. But the more you rewrite, the better the speech mm -hmm. gets. And the more times the president rehearses delivery, the better it Yeah, is. and you can imagine how hard it is to find time in a president's sure. schedule for that. Well, each of the people you've worked with, as with all human beings, have strengths and weaknesses, and you have to adopt... Uh, your your work to those strengths and weaknesses. I know you you were a consultant to President H. W. Bush. Explain how that worked. Well, he uh, it was a wonderful man, and he was very bright. One of the things that and I, I started working for him in 1978 as a consultant when he was running against Reagan for the 1980 nomination, which he lost and then was named vice president. And then he kept me as a consultant, and I became part of the. Um, uh, special proceeding staff for the two Republican conventions that he was involved in. Um, but it, 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 with him, you left the first page of the speech blank. Uh, 
because he wanted to write local humor and adapt to the audience. And, and he knew, he was smart enough to know that you can't contrive humor. And so he, he always said to me, just give me a blank page on the front of the speech and I'll make up some comments. And he was bright enough and quick enough to always come up with something quite humorous uh, uh, at the time. He was really a classy person, wasn't he? He was enormously uh, classy. He, he's my favorite client of all the people that I've, I've worked for. Very bright, uh, very, very glib, uh, man with great style. Yeah. And you also worked for Lee Iacocca. Yeah, Lee Iacocca, uh, chairman of Chrysler Corporation at the time. Uh, I was brought on board, uh, and I was his only writer. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I was writing about rubber polymers and cars. And then Ronald Reagan <laughs> asked Lee Iacocca to head the Ellis Island Statue of Liberty Foundation to refurbish those monuments. And so here I was back writing like bicentennial speeches sure. again, and, sure. and it went very well. Uh, we had a very good partnership, Lee and I. And how do you compensate for, uh, what would be a weakness of, uh, of uh, without naming names particularly, uh, what would be the weakness of, uh, of a famous person? Well, some people can't pronounce certain words, <laughs> so you don't put them in the speech. Uh, some people are better at extemporaneous speaking. Uh, I'll give you a good example of two people I didn't work for that have a different style and you have to work with it. Bill Clinton is a conversationalist. You write a speech for Bill Clinton, he may leave the text and then come back to it. Barack Obama is what I call a periodic speaker. He likes a set rhythm, he likes it all written out, and he is not going to deviate from that script. So you have two very different styles there that you have to learn how to write for if you're going to work for either one of them. I remember one speech that, uh, where Clinton, where the teleprompter broke, yeah. and he just kept on going and then finally picked up and uh, didn't miss a beat. That's right. He was, he was very good at that. Yeah. Well, um, your work then led to the creation of the Freedom of Expression Foundation. Explain why that happened and what the foundation did. Well, I'd been working for Lee Iacocca about a year, and I got a call from a senator who said that he was forming the Freedom of Expression Foundation to protect media rights. And he had the support of the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the three major networks, AT&T, and he thought that I would be very good as the founder and president. Uh, putting that together. And so I left uh, Chrysler, took a pay cut, came back to Washington, D.C., and put the Freedom of Expression Foundation together. And we accomplished our goals. We got the content controls on broadcasters removed, and uh, they were given more parity with newspapers. And uh, at that point, I, I, I went to the board and I said, do we declare victory and close shop? <laughs> and they said, well, we like what you're doing. And I said, well, if we're, but we want you to continue in the research vein rather than the lobbyist vein. And I said, well, if I'm going to continue in the research vein, I want to bring it to a campus. And lo and behold, we put it out for bids, and Long Beach State came and through. And we are blessed with having uh, the uh, Center for First Amendment Studies here at Long Beach State, which Craig brought to it and has served as director for how many years now? 25. We're having our 25th anniversary this year. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to celebrate that. Well, Craig Smith, our guest here, believe it or not, has written 18 books. This is the 18th book, which is awesome for any of us, and particularly for those in the Academy. 18 books, and, and Craig, you just mentioned to me that books are like children. You don't have any children of your own, but well, yeah, these I, are your children. Right, I've been single, and so I haven't had much of a personal life, and, and, and so you know, my books are like my children, and uh, I'm devoted to them. 
And I'm sure writing a, you know, we're, we're men, not women, but, but writing a book must be the equivalent of giving birth to a child, the yeah, struggle, and, the labors. Yeah, and when you see it in print, finally, you have to read it again, because it's, it's hard to believe that this is This gone is yours. From, yeah, and, and you've gone it's from Your all name these, is on it, so it must be yours. <laughs> yeah, and you've gone from all these double-spaced type pages yeah. to something that looks nice in print. Yeah. Well, remarkable, and I know... Uh, friends have have gone through this and 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 find it very very powerful. So, uh, if you want to learn about the craft of writing and uh, and good writing is uh, all too rare these days, I think you would agree. Uh, take take a look at Craig's latest book. Okay, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages. Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Phil is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at Trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. I want to improve my career opportunities. I want to earn a higher salary at my job. I'd like to finish what I started. The new Bachelor of Arts in Liberal Arts degree completion program at Cal State Long Beach will help you achieve your educational goals while keeping your life in balance. Contact our customer service center at 1-800-963-2250 for more information or visit us on the web. Let CSULB help you finish what you started. those who are closest to you, from our family to yours. McCarty's Jewelry, since 1932. I think we're very fortunate to have on our campus here at Long Beach State a faculty member of the caliber of Craig Smith, who's uh, made such an impact on so many students, and through his books, thousands and thousands more. Uh, Craig, uh, thank you for all you've done on our campus and, and also in Washington, D.C., and just uh, final comments you might want to make about anything. Well, I think I've, I've led a very lucky life. Um, you know, being a poor Navy brat that traveled around the country to go all the way from that to being a presidential speechwriter, to have the honor of, of being on the board of trustees of the California State University system for four years, to have had a, a, a loving career here at Cal State Long Beach. Uh, I just feel like the luckiest guy in the world, and I'm just so glad that this nation supports the kind of freedom that we have that allows for this kind of thing to happen. And freedom of speech is such an important liberty enshrined in the Constitution, yeah. and uh, although not always perfectly protected, uh, I think most Americans instinctively feel this is such an important freedom. Yeah, our Constitution's the first one to write down. Really? Freedom of expression, yeah. And uh, uh, if you have a, and we, I've been teaching this for so many years, but uh, dictators cannot tolerate a free press or an independent judiciary. So if you want to maintain your freedoms politically, protect freedom of speech and freedom of the press, and also support an independent judiciary. 
Absolutely. Uh, those were the dreams of Thomas Jefferson. He said you can't have it. Democracy doesn't work unless the public's educated. The public isn't educated unless you have a free press and free speech. Yeah. Craig, thank you for joining us. Good to be back. And thank you for being with us for the first show of 2014. We'll be back next week with another edition of Straight Talk. Good night, everyone. Straight Talk has been brought to you by the Port of Long Beach, the Press-Telegram, and Scan Health Plan. And remember, Straight Talk is viewable 24-7 at straighttalktv.com. <laughs>